We have come to the last two chapters of the book of First Chronicles, um, and this is preparations for the temple, chapters 28 and 29. Uh, you have in front of you a worksheet with uh, pretty much on the front page just two pictures, um, and uh, they're terrible. I apologize. Don't try to read the writing because you won't be able to read any of it. Um, and uh, it's, uh, well, it's blown up considerably from a much smaller picture. So the, the computer tries to compensate and it does weird things with the letters and it's just unreadable. But I thought it would be worth looking at the picture, which is still kind of blurry, but it's interesting. This is the temple. If I could just talk about it for a second, if you don't mind. Um, and the picture below is actually the inset up in the upper right-hand corner. You see that? So I just, I just uh, blew that up a little bit too. So this is one artist's conception of the temple. And there are lots of different conceptions of the temple. The first thing that you know, there, there are three basic deviations in artistic renderings of the temple. And I'm talking about the temp Solomon's temple, not others and so forth. The first that you notice is um, the altar on the outside, uh, the big altar to the right. Um, and I think I disagree with this artist's concept of the altar. Uh, for one thing, God said more than once, no steps. So I think it probably had a ramp. Um, the reason for that is that a priest when he's walking up the steps, might hike up his gown too much, like I have to do when I'm going up. And The thing is, under my gown, I'm wearing my Sunday pants. A priest wouldn't be. So uh, just so that there's no uh, defilement or embarrassment, God said no, no steps. So, there, so no steps. The other thing is about the altar is that there's just a gigantic fire in the middle. Who could possibly tend that? Do you, do you have to be a like some kind of a guru walking on hot coals to get to the middle of the altar. I think it's very likely that there were as many as nine or 12 small fires going on on the top of that gigantic altar all at once. So they could sacrifice multiple sacrifices at the same time. And as long as the fire was going, what would it matter if you had four or you know, how does it multiply out geometrically, but nine in my head uh, works, and what would be the next 16? I don't, I, probably four or nine going all at once. Um, the, the next thing that you notice that would be a variation from uh, design, artist concept to artist concept, some things are just the size, yeah, the side rooms, yeah, the, uh, the water sources around the outside, yeah, but where did the two giant pillars go? So were they under a huge tall porch like we see here? Or were they just sort of freestanding outside? Um, we don't know. And you'll notice uh, different artist concepts have that done differently. Um, the, the, those big pillars had names. One was Jakin and one was Boaz. Um, and, uh, but we don't know if they held something up or if they were just decorations or, 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 or what. And then the other thing is way in the back, you see steps going up to the Holy of Holies. And it's got here, um, uh, we do know that Solomon, Solomon didn't use a curtain. Uh, the tabernacle did and Herod did. We know that they had curtains, but Solomon didn't. He had sort of a, 
uh, what as a house painter I would have called a bifold door. So doors on hinges that would kind of come out and, and go back in again. Um, and uh, Solomon had some, some pretty impressive things. And that seems probably accurate, but did you have to, but the, the thing is that the, 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 that Holy of Holies was a cube where we know the dimensions were 20 cubits by 20 cubits by 20 cubits high. But does that mean, how, how do you, how do you what, what happens then to the rest of the space back there because the, did, did it have a lower roof? Or was it raised up a little bit? Or was there a little room above it? And there are different concepts about all of those things. Um, I kind of think that this picture is an error, that there weren't steps going up into the Holy of Holies, that there was a little room above it, because there's also uh, 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 two things, there, and, and they're different, but there are two different suppositions that you read in some later Jewish writings in the, in the Talmud. And one is that it was a maintenance area. So how do you fix a broken tile or clean up a mess or something? Because, you know, birds are going to get in there and mice, right? And, and a kitten can get anywhere. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't make any difference. I had, I used, my, my cat Sport used to be able to get into my bedroom even if the door was shut. He sports with the Lord now, and, but he, when he was around, he used to push on my door once, push twice, and if he heard it rattle a certain way, he'd push it again and it would open. So, and I, he knew the spot. It was like Fonzie. You know, he could, and, and all of a sudden, I, on, through a shut door, I would have a cat in my bed. So, okay. Um, but uh, but how, do you, how do you clean up a mess in there? And, the, and the, the legend that I've read is that they had a thing like uh, we would think of it as an elevator. It was a platform that would get lowered down from the roof on ropes because you can't enter into the Holy of Holies. However, can you be lowered? That was the, that's, the, that's the loophole that the Jews imagined. You could be lowered, and as long as you didn't get off your platform, you, know, you could take care of stuff and then be raised back up again. And I, I, I'm a little dubious about that. The other thing that I think was maybe the, the use of the room above the Holy of Holies was for something called the Azara, which uh, uh, Hebrew writings do talk about in, in, in early New Testament days, where they kept the oldest copies of the Torah and the Old Testament books, the copies that you checked your copy against. And uh, this whole concept, sort of known as the Azara, um, you know, where was this kept? And was it in a storeroom? Or, and I, I kind of wonder if it was just above the Holy of Holies. There's a, a line in, a, in, a, in the Talmud that makes me think that. But Beth, go ahead. Yeah, what did the cherubim look like? Um, there is evidence from, from Hebrew artwork that, they, that cherubim, you know, they can look like anything because they don't have to be people. Um, they're angels. And uh, some Hebrew artwork depicts them as being like, like a lion or a bull with wings and so forth. And we might object to that, but it is in ancient Hebrew artwork. What class was Gabriel? Because Gabriel is a young man. Angel. He's only called an angel. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's an archangel. In, in, in the Bible, the word is only in the singular. 
archangel. There aren't, we're never told that there's more than one. And then there are angels. There are also cherubim. There are seraphim. Are, are cherubim and seraphim classes of angels or are they something different? And then you've got in the New Testament, uh, what, powers, authorities, uh, uh, you know, you get all kinds of different words that describe angels and are they like jobs or are they, uh, you know, what, it, what am I doing today as opposed to last night? Does my title change? I don't know. So um, anyway, yeah, but, but the thing about that also is that we're going to see in our text today, way at the end, if I ever start the class, uh, at the end of chapter 29, we're going to find out that David also designed uh, evidently a chariot for all of that stuff in the Holy of Holies. Was it on a platform? Or was each cherub on a chariot or in a chariot? And there's a, there's a, a problem with translation. Is it a chariot that is to say the cherubim? Or is it a chariot of the cherubim? It, there's a chariot for the cherubim. We're gonna, we'll talk about that at the end of chapter 29. So that's, that's also coming. But you see a, 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 on the bottom of the page a good diagram of everything. And... Uh, kind of how it all went, that David is going to talk about designing all of those side rooms, and that actually we're told that, do you see in the upper uh, drawing, can I somehow point to it over here, where you have the cutaway of the side rooms? Do you notice that the walls are a different thickness? The higher you go, the thinner the wall is? That's specified in the text, in Kings, where the, the, the lowest... Uh, uh, rung is a cubit fatter than the one above. Why? So that the wood planks and stuff fit there and won't fall uh, to hold the floor up above it. It was actually built into the bricks of the wall with those different thicknesses. So that's accurate. But then Daryl was asking before class about the about the the big thing with the blue in it. That's the bronze sea. That was a massive water source up at the top of the temple. And it was uh, obviously partly fed by rain, right? Because how are you going to cover it when the rain comes and you don't want it to? But then they would also cart water up and fill it. But then how do you get the water out? Well, those it's held up by 12 bulls, probably life-size. They're made of bronze, th uh, three on each side, one for each tribe of, 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 of Israel, and uh, we know that there was an ingenious mechanism whereby the bulls would, each bull was like a tap. And I don't know if it was like through his nose or through his mouth or, or whatever, but everybody knows what, I'm, what, I, what I mean if I talk about the little boy in uh, medieval uh, uh, or Renaissance architecture who was who's, who's filling a pool. If you don't, then God bless you. But uh, okay, but um, but uh, <laughs> you just get it, Colleen. Yeah. Okay. All right. But the bulls, I don't. I'm not sure. Did they? Did they like take the ring of the bull's nose and twist it to get the thing to go, or was it just a tap like we would have? Because a, a, a faucet is one of the most basic concepts, you know, in, in engineering. To 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 have a pipe. That you turn it this way, water gets through, and to turn it this way, water doesn't get through. That's a pretty simple machine. 
And, and so it wouldn't surprise me at all if, that's, if they actually had a tap where you'd turn it and it would, it would. There was a lot of washing in the temple, a ton of washing. You show up for work and you're a Levite, the first thing you do is an ablution where you, you wash yourself and, and you wash your hands. And there's, well, for one thing, there's a lot of blood up there and you got to get rid of it. And you got to wash everything. And when an animal gets slaughtered, you wash the inner parts and everything. And it's just water, 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 water. They needed gallons and gallons and gallons of water, and they had it. So, and those things on the side on movable carts, those are also full of water. They could move them to wherever they're doing that particular sacrifice. Um, in our text today, Solomon's going to slaughter a thousand bulls, a thousand rams and a thousand lambs now if my math is right that's three thousand sacrifices and that's a lot of water that's kind of every priest they had that day gets to cut something up you know i would have i'll take a lamb (laughs) somebody else can do the bull actually i'm over 50 i'd be disqualified i could just give advice you know all right any other questions i mean as long as we're on it any other questions about the picture, about the... Yeah, go ahead. Windows at the top serve several purposes. But one is for just air. You seal a room in metal. And pretty soon... Yeah, exactly. It'll get pretty hot. So also notice how high they are. That's to catch any wind. Um, so it's not so much for light, although a little bit. Um, but especially for air, um, ventilation, because you're also burning incense in there. And how does it get out? You know, so it's, 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 it's that as well. The thing about gold is that normally it doesn't have to be polished. Silver does. Gold kind of not. But maybe occasionally. I don't know if they would have done a polishing. I mean, when, if, if you're the high priest... When would you want the polishing to happen? Before the Day of Atonement. Yeah, so if it's only once a year, that would be right now. Because Day of Atonement's coming up in September. So we better, we better start. You got, uh, grab the Windex and the rags and the ladders and let's get up there. So if it's once a year, I would do it now. No, no, they would. Ha- no, it's for ventilation, not for not for light. So, oh yeah, birds and but they also had lattices. We talk about the lattice in Song of Solomon and other places. So they may have had like a little ingenious little lattice whereby so hummingbirds could get through, <laughs> you know, and wrens, but maybe not pigeons, you know, something like that, and, and hopefully not owls and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So you've got Levites whose job it was to keep things clean and to sweep. Sure, sure. The gatekeepers were also not only keepers of people out, but of getting the dust out as well. Yeah. I don't know where the word riffraff comes from, but maybe it originally meant dust. Not sure. So... Let's, let's charge through um, uh, these chapters. It, they're, they're really, it's a delightful way to end this particular book. I didn't bring it with me. I'll bring it with me next time uh, where in the, 
in the in the Talmud, it tells you the Talmud tells you uh, uh, as as they're defining the books of the Old Testament, and it says at one point, the Christians have divided the books of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles in two, and so we do the same. This is what the Talmud says, and it gives you the verse where the break would be, and it so it so that the uh, they reference Second Samuel one one. Second Kings one one and Second Chronicles one one. Here is where the break is for the next book, and it's really, really, really fascinating um, that that's actually given that specifically um, by Jews of about the second or third century, whenever that particular um, paragraph was written. But but pretty cool stuff. Okay, chapter twenty eight. David gathers gathered all the officials of Israel in Jerusalem, namely the officials of the tribes, the officers over the military divisions that served the king, the officers of the, over the units of a thousand. What's our rank? A guy over a thousand? General. And over units of a hundred, probably. Well, in our, in our, we don't have centurions today, but yeah, but, but in our army today? A captain, probably. And I, in the Bible, that's pretty much your two guys. They had, they had thousands and they had hundreds, but they also had a 300-guy unit that I would call a brigade. Um, and it keeps getting brought up in the Bible, which is why I think of brigade as being a unit. But these are two particular uh, uh, soldiers. And then the officials who were in charge of all the property and cattle that belonged to the king and his sons, together with the palace officials, the powerful men, all the strong, capable men. We're going to come back to the king's sons at the end of the book. So in, a, in, a, in, in two chapters, we'll come back to them. It's fascinating. Chronicles never mentions um, Adonijah's rebellion. We spend a lot of time on that in Kings, but none at all in Chronicles. And uh, if you don't know about that, maybe I should start the, second, the, the next book with a reference to that. We don't, we're not going to talk about it now, though. Then King David stood up and said, by the way, David's about 70. We know that this was in his 40th and final year. So David, who can't get a decent night's sleep, is shivering all night, uh, but he's able to still stand up and talk to people, and he got up and filled his lungs. You know what happened to me Saturday night? I just got up into the pulpit and filled my lungs, and you know what happened? That's when the, that's when the, when the tornado siren went off. So I was just about to read the text in the pulpit when we went downstairs. Yeah. Okay, David. Listen to me, my brothers and my people. Notice David calls Israel my brothers. He doesn't use a word like subjects. He says brothers. In my heart, I wanted to build a house as a resting place for the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and as a footstool for our God. So I made preparations to build. That word footstool, isn't that a wonderful word? What does that really tell you about God? It, 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 there's two sides to this. There's a majestic side, right? But there's also an intimate side. When, you're, when, 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 the, when the most important guest you've ever had comes to your house, 
put your feet up if you want, right? This, here's your, here's, you get the, 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 the footstool. Was the, in, in my life, my foot, I have a footstool. It was the first piece of furniture I ever bought. In my very first apartment, I sat on the floor and I put my typewriter on the footstool and that's where I did my work. Uh, but um, I still have that thing, uh, my, uh, my, little, my little time footstool. Three details um, from David's uh, speech are repeated here. Um, and by the way, that should be previous, not precious, although it's probably precious, but I meant to say previous. Uh, so three details. David can't build the temple. His inability to build the temple, not because he was unable, but because God said no. Uh, number two, Solomon is David's rightful successor. David stresses that. We don't have a reference to Absalom's rebellion or Adonijah's rebellion or, or, or the others, but we have mentioned that Solomon is the right guy. And therefore, Solomon is the builder of the temple, just so we're all on the same page about this. Solomon is the builder. Um, what happens when you have a congregation full of builders and you mention we have a project? Who's the builder? You know, and, and uh, I made a mistake a few weeks ago, and I think it was Sunday Bible class. I repeated it here, and that was mentioning that I think that the new hymnals are too fat for our for our uh, our our hymn racks. And I had three carpenters come to me with a plan, what we're going to do, and I thought, whoa, wait a second. We. <laughs> However, the curious thing. It was all the same plan. They all had the same plan. The, the guys who really are carpenters knew what to do. And that is you put a shim behind the old hymn rack and you lower it by about two inches. So you got finger play and you got wide and, and everybody had the same idea. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.